0: hello mrs f1
1: hello mr f1 welcome back everyone as well we are here we're bringing you all the f1 news even though f1 what we're like 90 days away from from the first f1 race (laughs) i'm gonna count down i'm gonna give everyone an update on how many days we all have to survive until Mm. formula one is back in our lives Even though racing isn't happening, I feel like this week there's been a lot of Formula 1 news. I don't know about you, but yeah. I've been oh trying yeah. to big keep news. up. Yeah, big news. So let's jump in to the news, but after the news you guys make sure you, you stay because we're talking our top 3 moments of the entire 2022 season. I also want to remind everybody, make sure to like and subscribe. I always say this at the end of our podcast and I'm like, I should also say it. At, I should say it at the beginning. Just put it out there, guys. Make sure to like, subscribe, give us a review on the podcast. It's always super helpful. But now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let's get into this week's news. Mattia Bonato is adios. It's so funny. He's officially gone. Yeah. We were just speculating about this in the last podcast. And no joke, I hit publish on the podcast and less than 24 hours
0: later, (laughs) they announced it. 18 hours later.
1: Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah. my God!" Now our show is irrelevant. <laughs> this is the life we lead. As we were podcast. we were right
0: though. He need, he needed to be gone, and he is. So he
1: is. All the now rumors. We wait to see
0: who replaces him.
1: Yeah, all the rumors were true, which I said. The fact that Ferrari responded so quickly to dismay all these rumors told me that it was true, and it's true. So um, it was announced he's leaving um Ferrari. For good, um, he's been with the team for twenty plus years, which is crazy. Did you know he started as an intern at Ferrari?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, During, there's pictures with him and Michael together. Yeah,
1: yeah, which is like a tale as long old as time when it comes to sports. Um, working in sports, you start as an intern or like you start as something, and you find yourself at the at yeah, make your way to CEO. Yeah, <laughs> typical um, sports, but. He didn't really give a reason why he, why he was leaving other than kind of it's like taking a toll on him a little bit, which I get. He's been team principal since 2019. And let's be real, Ferrari is not an easy team to lead. Um, So it just kind of sounded like it was more for him, at least in his press release. It was time, it was like kind of like a mutual agreement. But I wanted to bring this up because there have been rumors that Charles Leclerc has not been on good terms with Mattia Bonato since Silverstone. Silverstone, whatever. I,
0: I don't. I don't blame him. I mean, I wouldn't be on good terms with him just due to their performance all year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I said this I believe last week. Um, do the does Charles maybe unhappiness with his performance this year play a role? in Mattia maybe being pressured um because it was it was also rumored that this wasn't necessarily like his decision that the board very much wanted him out um but again these are all rumors and speculations but we it's been no surprise that Charles Leclerc has been incredibly unhappy and I think I've seen him verbally express that more than I've ever seen him ever <laughs> in his entire mm. racing career express so publicly how unhappy he was
0: I just I'm you know it needed to happen and I think it's a step in the right direction for Ferrari
1: yeah Um,
0: and and we talked about it before hopefully it'll turn things around and they can become competitive again because you know they haven't won since Kimmy so
1: Mm -hmm. and he did say in his statement he leaves Ferrari in a very good place um, that they're like stronger than they've ever been which let's give him credit Ferrari is definitely better and at a better place than it was in 2019 when he took over the helm. Um, so we have to give him credit for that, <laughs> at least. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Like we talked about in last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now because we talk about, get more in depth about who may take his seat. Um, but rumors about Ross Braun possibly taking his seat, but more likely maybe Fred Fassur, um, who is a team principal at Alfa Romeo right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, who else do you think could take this seat besides those two rumored names?
0: Uh, I honestly can't think of anyone. Maybe Cyril Beeple could come back. I would love that just for the entertainment. But uh, well, really, I think it's one of those two.
1: Yeah. And there were rumors that um, Ferrari had actually approached other team principals, such as Christian Horner, last year. To yes about coming and taking um Matias place so that even makes me thinking more wow like that was early were they already planning on getting rid of him a year ago and that I don't know It, it it's interesting again these are all kind of rumors but very reported by very knowledgeable reporters um sources that we trust so it's it's just interesting but we'll see what happens with Ferrari. Um, they did say they won't be announcing a new team principal until after January 1st. So this could mean they already have somebody, um, locked and loaded in the wings. Um, but that person is definitely going to hit the ground running. Um, cause obviously winter is a huge development time, um, and getting everything ready for the 2023 season. And I mean, winter testing technically is just around the corner once you hit January. So, mm. um, It'll be interesting to see who Ferrari picks to kind of lead this team into their, the future and hopefully their next championship. So we're moving on to another team that has uh, been in the news a lot this year, not just in Formula One, but in IndyCar as well. McLaren announced this week that Alex Pillow will be named as one of their reserve drivers for the 2023 season. Now, if you guys remember, there was a lot of drama this year um, with Alex Palou and IndyCar um, because he kind of had a Oscar Piastri situation. Why is McLaren at, at the root of all of these, like, he signed with us, wait, no, he didn't, yes, he did situations?
0: It's got to be Zach Brown's fault, I think. He's just, we've talked about how he dangles the seat over everybody, and mm-hmm. um, I, that's my guess is that you know, he's he's just a, a magnet for um, controversy.
1: Yeah, he really is. And if you don't know the drama, it's basically um, McLaren announced that Alex Pillow would be driving for their IndyCar team next year. And at the same time, Chip Ganazzi also announced Alex Pillow has re-signed with our team for 2023. And uh, Alex Pillow basically was like, wait, No, I didn't take that back. I never signed anything. And I actually went to court, Mm -hmm. (laughs) went to freaking Mm -hmm. court. Um, Alex Pillow will need to drive with Chip Ganassi racing team again this year in 2023 because of that court ruling. Um, But he will be a reserve driver. So how do you think that'll work, Matt? Because he's still an active IndyCar driver. Um, He's one. I did see in the statement McLaren put out, they did say very clearly he is one of the reserve Mm -hmm. drivers. So do you really think he'll yeah. actually get a chance?
0: Probably not. I mean, how often do reserve drivers actually drive? Probably more so now because of COVID and, um, you know, drivers getting sick and people being able to jump in. But in all likelihood, he's not going to – he'll probably be, you know, at the events where there's not an IndyCar race at the same time, mm-hmm. but the odds of him actually getting in the car and driving – I mean, maybe, maybe Zach gives him an FP1, you know, occasionally – but that driver lineup is so good that, I mean, you don't want to do anything to it. Piastri and Norris, like, you know, that's, you know, obviously we don't want anyone to get hurt. And that's, that's like the only case where a reserve driver steps in, but it's not like we're going to have a scenario where one of them isn't performing and it's going to have to be replaced by a reserve driver. They're both incredible drivers. Oh. So it, it's, to me, it's, yeah, the, those people, they're more of a, uh. You know, it's just a we, we have to have somebody in the backup in case something happens, but in all likelihood, they won't drive.
1: Yeah, I just more on the side of like, will he get a chance? I mean, IndyCar's season is in the midst of the ongoings of the Formula One season. They're usually not taking place at the same tracks or even on the same continent at the same time. Oh, they're um, never but,
0: at the same track. Yeah.
1: Right. And a lot, so, a good handful of times, their schedule. All overlaps an F one weekend or F one schedule. Um, I did notice in the statement um put out by McLaren, it did said it did say Alex Pillow will be available as a reserve driver for the team for all events that do not conflict with IndyCar.
0: Right.
1: Um, yep. so they made that really clear, and he's only ever been, as far as the public knowledge, and I I think this is correct. He's only ever been in a Formula One car once when he did a test drive at the U S. Grand Prix. Um, in Austin so Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to name someone as a reserve driver who has like very little experience with a Formula One car I mean granted his IndyCar track record is quite impressive 15 podiums four wins and one championship on his belt under his belt yeah so I
0: don't think it's that strange I mean Robert Schwartzman was the reserve driver for for Ferrari and other than one or two tests than he's ever done in an F1 car that's mm -hmm. his only experience so you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's that crazy, and it, like I think to your point, uh, Alex Palou has more experience than somebody like Schwarzman because you know IndyCar is a legit series, so um, I don't think it's that big of a deal that they. And, and again, I think this is more of a Zach's kind of claiming his his driver um, for when his Chip Ganassi contract does end, mm-hmm. and we'll sign him to the McLaren. Uh, IndyCar team and then also have him as a reserve driver
1: yeah hot take Zach marking his territory on Alex below
0: yeah exactly like (laughs) he's a like he's a tree and Zach's a dog just (laughs) just to pee on it yeah
1: we're literally just like um okay we're just gonna keep you as a reserve driver one of the reserve drivers so actually I'll probably really never get to be a reserve driver (laughs) but hey we're you know might as well just keep you here um and stick a McLaren shirt on you and call it a day I think it's also interesting we're really seeing McLaren use that IndyCar team as another way to scoop up talent which we have not seen a lot of other f1 teams do there are other f1 teams that have done this um and do have indycar drivers kind of in their back pocket uh for testing or for reserve but mclaren really seems to be utilizing this a lot um not not Mm -hmm. just with alex but with pato award um and some of their other talent do you think mclaren and zach brown's kind of grand scheme is to really start to use that indycar team as a feeder series to their f1 team
0: Mm. that would be super interesting it would be great for indycar in in the us um i think that most people who are into racing know that indycar is a like legitimate great series Mm -hmm. that requires a ton of skill and i think before especially european fans just kind of scoffed at indycar um and thought that you know it, it doesn't live up to F1, so they ignored it. But I think true racing people know that it is a very good series, and it would be awesome for Americans to be able to see. You know, maybe young kids who are in F2 and are doing really well, but there's no available seats in F1. They jump to IndyCar as a feeder, like you said to F1. Whenever a seat opens up, I think that would be really great for the sport in the United States and great for racing in general in the United States.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great way to kind of bring fans from one type of racing to another. I mean, like you said, IndyCar and F1 share a good chunk of similarities um, when it comes to just like types of tracks they drive on. Obviously it's different, but they they share more similarities than other forms of racing, like NASCAR, for example. Um, And like IndyCar is very heavily followed by a huge United States fan base. So you know, think about it. Like if you have a favorite driver and they go into F1, you're going to follow them there. You're not going to mm-hmm. stop watching them. Um, so I think it's another interesting way to bring more people into Formula One, and also, like you said, to to get some more talent in the seats. Obviously, getting super license points in IndyCar is a little uh, wonky. Like you That'll don't change. Yeah, that, and that
0: has was... to change. There's there's been so much attention on it. It has to change. Guys like Colton. And Pato Ward and, you know, the other really talented young drivers who who are getting screwed over with this super license points. I I know Colton has said he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want the rules to bend for him. Mm -hmm. But I think at some point, the rules just need to flat out change because it is very well known that FIA does not give enough super license points to IndyCar drivers. And I really do think that's going to change in the very near future.
1: Yeah, I think if we start to see McLaren maybe – using it more we could see the fia maybe paying Mm -hmm. some more attention to okay if this is a real feeder series or could be a real beneficial to the sport let's fix that so yeah Yeah. so speaking of indycar we got some big news on the side (laughs) of women in motorsports this weekend and uh, I'm a little conflicted on this news, and we'll get into that, but Jamie Chadwick announced this week that she will be joining Andretti Motorsport team for the Indy Next series, or formerly known as Indy Light. Now, this NX- is...
0: NXT. NXT. Maybe she's got any in- NXT.
1: Yeah, Indy NXT. She's the first woman in 13 years to compete in this series, which is huge and great for her. Um, I just think it's an amazing opportunity I believe she is the only woman currently in that series at the moment. Um, but I could yeah, be wrong I, about that. <laughs>
0: I, I'm I'm livid about it, if I'm honest. I think it's terrible. I The fact that she didn't get a, a straight-up IndyCar seat, to me, just doesn't make any sense. Um, Tatiana got one last year. She struggled a little bit, and obviously she transferred to F2 halfway through the year. But uh, to me, she's established in Europe in these racing series why she doesn't get an f1 or sorry an f3 seat when there's 22 of them available and that is yes i know you know a lot of stuffy f1 fans will say f2 and f3 that's the real feeder series yada yada and like we just said a couple of minutes ago you know indycar can become a great feeder series but this is so indy nxt is indy lights that's what they called it last year they're just changing the name of it Yeah, that's it's literally the feeder series of IndyCar. Mm -hmm. I I just don't understand how a driver who has shown her talent and is clearly significantly better than everyone that she was racing hasn't earned at at the very minimum an F3 seat or an IndyCar seat. Right. Like I Mm -hmm. said, Tatiana had the seat last year and, you know, she she didn't do great in it and it's, it's a tough series to to compete Mm -hmm. in and granted, you know, It it takes a while to get kind of accustomed to those cars. Um, And then, you know, the same thing when she jumped to F2. She didn't do great because it's, I mean, she was thrown into the middle of an F2 season with no training. And like, that's got to be insanely hard. Right. I just don't understand why somebody who has the experience in a F3 type car, which is what the W Series car is, wouldn't be given a shot in F3. It makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i feel very similar to like your reaction but i i i am honestly happy for her because i feel like her career in w series was at an end um she's been killing everybody in that series since it started yeah she's collected she is at the end of like being able to collect super poison super license points through that series she cannot collect Mm -hmm. anymore she's met the maximum um and with F1 Academy starting, I thought to myself, okay, maybe she will jump there just to have a new new competition, new drivers to compete against um, if she wanted to stay within that all-woman series. But she did say, I was reading um, the article about, a couple of articles about this, and um, she did say, this represents not only a big step up, but also a big step towards my goal of competing in the highest categories of a single-seater racing. So I... Definitely the car she'll be in will be more powerful. This will be a new step sure. and a new challenge for her. And also I'm just happy that she's getting another opportunity somewhere else. Cause I think she deserved it, but I agree with you. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like this woman has proven herself time and time and time and time again. And she not is only a talent. She's got money backing her role. She's a Rolex is a sponsor with her. Williams Drivers Academy is backing her what is stopping this woman and what pisses me off I think is like we saw an F2 an F2 team was willing to take a risk on a an e a a gamer basically like an An e-sim driver driver. an esports driver, driver somebody's never sat in the car ever before oh that's not true
0: he he, he he sat in in not equivalent of f2 cars but you know he started e-sim and then he did a few small racing series and then jumped right to f2
1: right but but, but to
0: to your point it's it's that is taking a risk why aren't why aren't these teams willing to take that same risk on a on a woman who has demolished her competition the past year It, it doesn't make sense to me
1: it doesn't yeah i'm i'm very confused by it and part of me was thinking I've seen a lot of interviews with Jamie Chadwick and even reading some of her recent interviews now. She very much talks about wanting to earn that spot. She doesn't want to be picked because she's the token female, which being- Right. Being a woman myself, I 100% agree with. She wants to earn it. But part of me is like, is she holding herself back? We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Have teams offered her spots and she's not taken them? because she's felt she hasn't had the experience. Because this move to me to indie indie light, indie NXT, doesn't make sense to me. The car is more powerful than what she was driving in W Series, yes. But like, I feel like she's beyond that at this point. I feel like she's just moving to like, indie NXT is just like the male female version like of W Series. To me, Um, granted, she'll be racing on very different track styles and stuff like that with Indy Next, but I don't know. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for female racers as a whole. This is a great step, and she is a great talent. And, you know, taking a really high profile female name and putting it into like a different series is great. But, like, I think she just deserves more. I think she's proven herself time and time and time and time again. I'm like, Are team's really not giving her chances or is she stopping herself from taking some of those chances because she feels Mm. she's not ready. So I get it. Being a woman and being the first anything, the first female astronaut, the first, you know, female football player, the first female F1 driver is tough. You, you carry a lot of weight, on your shoulders you feel very responsible and you feel like if I fail this is going to then reflect on all women that are coming up in the sport or in this arena yeah I get it that this it shouldn't be like that but I think as a woman there there is a pressure on a lot of female athletes that feel that way and I wonder if she's just kind of like taking her time in a way being like, I don't want to jump to F3 or F2 because I, I, maybe I don't feel I'm ready. Maybe I feel I need to do more to be ready. Um, I don't know. This is me speculating, but I just find it very, very odd that no F3, F2 team has reached out to her to take a spot. It it seems strange, and I think we both agree that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit frustrating for me. But, you know, I I think... The issue with that logic is no matter what she does, there's going to be people out there who say that she's only there because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how how successful she is, you know. So, Jamie, if you're listening, it doesn't matter what other people say. They can say that, you know, oh, you only got that seat because you're a woman. But all you have to do is just go out and prove them wrong, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I am glad she's joining the Andretti family. It's a great team. With great, mm-hmm. in my opinion, great leaders of that team. um, The Andretti Motorsport Indy Light team has five championships under their belt. Um, So she's joining a successful team, which I'm happy to see if she is going to that series. She's not going to some, like, crap team. Um, So, and I think um, they w- will help her progress her career.
0: Yeah, a- and there is a chance that they become like McLaren, where they are a F1 team and an IndyCar team, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is a lot of talk that that Andretti family wants to get into F1. So yeah. maybe she is playing the long, you know, the long game. And, you know, if, if she can develop herself with Andretti, and in five or six years, Andretti finally gets an F1 team, then, you know, she has a, a passage to F1.
1: Yeah, that's a great, it's a great thought. I actually didn't think of that. That is true. If, if they were able to start f1 series that would give her direct path to a team so Mm -hmm. it's a bonus so anyways bittersweet but we are happy for her in the end i'm happy that she's gonna have some different competition yeah yeah um even though it's a tiny step up it's a step up and she's gonna have she's gonna be playing with the boys now um she's really gonna put her skills to the test and i hope she kicks butt i honestly hope and i will be watching this year i'll be paying attention Mm -hmm. to that series um, and we will definitely be following her reporting back to you guys on how she's been doing because she is an exciting talent just in motorsport in general, and we wish her all the best for sure. Mm-hmm. Just really quickly, it was announced this week that the Chinese Grand Prix has been taken off the 2023 calendar. Not really sad about it. I'm sad for Guan Yuzhou.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if anyone's watched the news in the past couple of months, it's not really a surprise, so... Um, you know, now it's just a matter of how is the FIA going to replace it. There's rumors that Portugal might come back. Uh, Maybe we go back to the Nürburgring in Germany, um, or maybe we do Mugello since we're doing Imola. Um, It'll be interesting to see. And I think F1 or FIA has said that they're said that they're going to make their announcement fairly soon as to who is going to replace, um, you know, what track will replace the Chinese Grand Prix. So I hope we go back to Portugal. It'd be cool to see Portimao again.
1: Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, I think the FIA was anticipating this happening. I think they were putting the yeah. Chinese Grand Prix on the schedule and crossing all their fingers and toes. Um, but obviously, with the very strict uh, COVID policies, yeah, they in wrote China, it in pencil because they knew <laughs> yeah.
0: that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they wrote it, it in probably
0: going to have to be replaced.
1: Yeah. yeah, so it is kind of a bummer for Guan Yu Zhou. The poor boy probably will never have a home race, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um yep. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. We already have a lot of stinking races next season. Um, So it seems like losing this one just momentarily, but it'll be replaced. Do you think... We could see even an option of a South Africa race. People have been calling for it. Mm-hmm. This would be the perfect time to slot that in.
0: Yeah. I I, I mean, mean I, I'm all for it. I would love that. It's just, are, are they ready? They being South Africa, wherever track it is, um, you know, can they handle the right? hundreds of thousands of people? Do they have all of that set up and ready to go? And if, if so, then to me, it's not, like, should we do it? It's yes, we should do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool, but I highly doubt that. That'd probably be a long stretch, but you never know. You never know. So some, like, pop culture F1 news, you know, we talk about the serious news that you need to know, but we also bring you, like, the E! News version of F1 (laughs) news. Can I call it E! F1 (laughs) or something like This is
0: all you, because... (laughs) i
1: okay i'm here for this first of all let's talk about the world's first f1 arcade opened this weekend super cool it didn't open to the public just yet apparently it was supposed to and they had to delay due to some technical issues but matt have you seen pictures of this f1 arcade because it looks amazing
0: i have not but i'm guessing it's in like dubai or something right no
1: no so the f1 arcade is in london okay Mm -hmm. it's a partnership between f1 and kindred concepts um kindred concepts i looked them up they're a really really cool company they basically help design spaces that are like immersive um Mm -hmm. and interactive which is very cool and this arcade very much is so if you follow any like f1 influencers or tiktokers even martin brundle (laughs) they were all the big opening um this week it's really really cool um, it looks very high end, almost kinda gives you like a club speakeasy vibe inside, uh-huh. which is really cool because you don't think of that. When you think of like E you think of like super techie and gamey and you yeah. hear the word arcade, you don't think like high end club and like speakeasy bar, but that's kind of the vibes it's giving. Hmm, cool. Um, there's sixty simulators f1 simulators in the entire place which is cool you can create your own personal driver profile and get experience currency that you can spend on all kinds of things including um different levels in the games including food and drink at the at the place which is really cool. Um and like I said the public opening has been delayed till further notice due to technical difficulty, but this I think is really really cool and we can really start to see F1 is really making an effort to invest in that e-racing world um mm-hmm. that is happening and getting more people interested in it. Do you think that this is kind of F1 starting to stake their claim in that arena?
0: I mean, I think they they've already been pretty well established. Like, I mean, they they post YouTube videos of the you know esports championship weekends, and and you know they they tag it and it looks just like an actual race. You know, like highlights from this esports race. Um, I think it makes sense to to embrace that. Um, I mean, the only problem is that it's a very expensive. If you want to do it yourself, you know, I, I you know I want to build my own rig and and they're you know a decent one can be five ten thousand dollars so it's cool to have this kind of arcade where and i'm sure it won't be cheap but it should be cheaper than that so you know maybe that's some people get bit by the bug when they do that and they save up their money and and try and build their own rig and you know more people getting into racing um whether it's esports or not you know i I think is a good thing for f1
1: yeah that's a really great point like I've always wanted to drive a sim, like whether it's like a super cool high tech one or just like your basic pedals and steering wheel. Um, cause I've actually driven, um, like with steering wheels with car games, and I do way better <laughs> when I actually have pedals and a wheel than I do with a controller. I'm impossible with a controller, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it feels like a real car, I can. And I've always wondered, like, You know, I would love to play the F1 games, but I'm such garbage at using the controller. I don't even want to try, but I would love to have a steering wheel and pedals, and that would be really cool to go there. So if you're in London or near London and this thing opens, which should hopefully be soon, go check it out. Because it looks like it's going Mm. to be awesome and so much fun, and there are plans for expansion Actually, I heard um, quite quickly after this. So I hope they bring one to the US. That would be so much fun. And we would 100% go. I guess it's New York
0: City. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love that they thought outside the box with this. Like you could have very easily gone with like the cool arcade game theme and made it feel more like a competitive esports space. Um, But they didn't. Mm. They made it a little bit more fun and in typical F1 style, high-end and classy. Um, But I think it's cool. Like, you can go even if you don't want to drive Sims. You can get a drink, Mm. have food, watch people drive, hang out. Apparently, during actual GP weekends, they're going to have events at this place that are all centered around Mm. the GP, which I think is really cool. And just another cool way for fans to interact with the sport. Um, this
0: is giving me like Top Golf vibes for yeah. any golfers out there. It's like pretty much F1's version of Top Golf, where it's yeah, you can do golfing or you can kind of hang out and you know you don't have to. And I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant. And you know, if anyone out there who's ever been to Top Golf or seen the lines outside, you know they're, they're obviously very successful. So F1 is smart for kind of jumping into that space.
1: Yeah, you're 100 percent right on that. It is giving Top. I didn't even think about that until you said that. But yeah, it looks cool. I hope I get to experience one one day. Maybe the will open one here, mm-hmm. but who knows?
0: Well, we'll have our own rig one day, babe. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: Okay. In our tiny two-bedroom apartment that we just started running, where is yeah. where's the oh, rig yeah. going?
0: Oh, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out.
1: Oh, guys, pray for me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of... Speaking of... No. Valtteri Botas. I am so excited about this. Listen, I think... Ever since Botas has left Mercedes, I feel like he's come into this era. Oh, of he's a like, new man. Yeah, he's a new man. He's chill. He's cool. Mm-hmm. He rides bikes. He has a mullet now. This yes, week he, he literally gave himself a mullet. He like Swims in rivers in the wilderness with his butt out for everyone to see and then prints <laughs> it and frames it and gives it gives it to his whole teammate. Like this is Love the boundary photos everybody has been wanting to see. Yes. And now the man will live in infamy because there is a song named after him now. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but this artist named Archangel, he's a Spanish artist. Um, and he wrote a song and put it out this week. The song's name is literally Botas. I mean,
0: come on,
1: come on.
0: I I I, like to imagine that that Valtteri Botas is actually he has an alter ego right now, (laughs) and after he left um, Mercedes and he went from Valtteri Botas to Butt Ass because you know he put his butt in that picture, and now for he forever will be just Valtteri Butt Ass to me because Forever. forever, forever.
1: I was yes, that's, that's the valtrex
0: we all love to see.
1: I was low key thinking about getting that photo and printing it out and putting it in our new apartment, like framing oh, we it. It's very yes. artsy. It is oh, very beautiful. artsy. Um, and I mean, he has the perfect little cute, cutest He's little got a nice butt. Butt. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it should greet our guests as you walk in our front door. Yeah, imagine um, that walking yeah. in. There's
0: just a butt right, right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. But the part of the song. Um, So just heads up, if you go listen to it, it's completely in Spanish. Pretty much all of it. Um, So I did not translate the words or the lyrics, but the one lyric that Botas is mentioned in is in English. It is, this is the lyric. Juice drops a formula Valtteri Botas. That's literally what it is i don't I'm, get it but
0: okay i, I don't That's either great.
1: okay but i'm gonna try and play some now so you can hear it so here we go because this deserves oh, to no. be heard by the world prepare your ears this is pure pure formula one gold gotas mm-hmm. It is great. I don't understand anything else but the lyric that has Botas in it. And apologies if any of the other Spanish lyrics were offensive to you. I don't understand them. So I, I can't. I don't know. Yep. I don't know nice if they're if good or bad. He spoke
0: Spanish. But yeah. Yeah. He yeah. knows what he's saying.
1: No comprende. He does
0: say Valtteri Botas. So.
1: He does say it. And it's gotten over a million views in 24 hours on YouTube. So, I mean the man sells himself the man sells himself. so that is it for our news and f1 pop culture news this week now let's get into it matt and i have each picked our top three moments of the season we established the rules for this Before it could be an on track moment or it could be an off track moment didn't matter but our top three um and then we have an honorable mention that we both agreed on um for this year so matt i'll let you go first what is your we'll start from the bottom what is your i was gonna say i'll I'll do my number
0: three and then you do your number three and we'll go back and forth like that go Um, for it so my number three was uh kevin magnuson and haas getting that pole position in brazil maybe (laughs) that's just me being a biased american you know F1 fan, but that was just like the the most feel good moment. I loved it. Just seeing Kevin in the car, you know, the clock was ticking down. And when it finally hit him that he was on pole position and, you know, him getting out of the car, that was that was one of the best moments this season.
1: Yeah. Seeing any drivers like first, whether that's a first win, the first championship, their yeah. first pole position, their first podium is always special to witness. And I think it's always just something that sticks in your mind. I I know specifically for me too, when I saw that moment happen, I thought to myself, man, I I just watched this man have a career high. (laughs) Um, And And, and not just him
0: too. I mean, I'm really happy for Kevin, especially, you know, having to leave the sport and come back in. Mm
1: -hmm. But I'm really
0: happy for Haas because, you know, they started out as a team pretty well and they've been pretty brutal since and then the whole Nikita Mazapin thing and, you know, them kind of basically becoming a Russian team. And, you know, I'm just I'm happy that that, you know, they've they've been through a lot and it was nice to see Gunter and the gang, you know, just ecstatic that they they got their first pole position.
1: Gunter and the gang.
0: Gunter. That's like a, a rap group. Yeah. Gunter <laughs> and the gang.
1: I like it that. sounds like some kind of like boy band. Gunter oh. and the gang. Someone make that into a t-shirt, please. Yes. Um, Okay, well, I'll say my third. I think they're kind of similar. They're both Mm -hmm. about first For me, my number three moment of the season is Mick Schumacher getting his first points. And the fact that he was battling Max Verstappen to do it, um, I think was just amazing. Uh, Again, just seeing him. I think he's worked so hard. And especially being with a team like Haas it's even extra hard to try and get to where you yeah. want to be because you're in a car that can't perform and just seeing him get those first points and I really feel like after that moment this season he just kind of flipped a switch um mm-hmm. he really turned on that competitiveness that I don't think we've seen from him in a while uh you know it kind of just turned that on and I think his season got you know we saw some amazing moments from him after that moment and for me also just the sentimentalness of like his dad, Michael Schumacher, being like the goat, the most amazing um, F1 driver ever. And just, I can't, imma- I can't imagine what that moment meant to him. I, I know that mm-hmm. moment means a lot for every driver, but for him, I just think it probably meant just that much more. Cause I really feel like he's not just out there driving for him. He's driving for his dad. And- yeah.
0: It's probably bittersweet because he can't kind of be there with his dad to celebrate. I I imagine that's really tough. And yeah. You and I watched that, that Schumacher documentary on Netflix, and it, it's tough to watch, and, and Mick makes it known that, you know, there's a lot of things that he doesn't get to do with his mm-hmm. dad like, you know, most other people would. And um, I'm sure it makes those moments, you know, tough for him, and and especially now, you know, not having a seat, that's got to be tough, too, to to not have a father to, you know, kind of console you. Um, yeah, yeah. You know it's tough, but yeah, it, it was nice to see him score his first points this year.
1: Oh, geez, you're gonna make me cry just thinking about it. Uh, I don't want to think about it. The happy moment, M- moment yeah, number right. three for me. So, well,
0: no- oh, num- number two might make you cry on my list. It was the goodbyes, uh, you know, at the end of the season with Seb and, and Danny Rick. Um, you know, that was th- those two, especially, they're, they're so integral to, to the face of F1 right now. Um mm-hmm that they're they're too tough people to lose. Yeah, Danny Rick is a guy that you know, it when when everyone was kind of stuffy and and not outgoing, he was one of the first to kind of be a goofball and and I think it kind of changed the paddock once people saw they could, you know, kind of be themselves. Um and then obviously Seb, you know, for a while after he won four straight, you know, people were debating whether or not he would be he's the best ever, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the Schumacher connection as well, you know, the, both German drivers and and Michael was kind of a mentor to, to Seb. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be tough. And, and I know we we talked about this previous previous episodes. So we don't have to harp on it, but, you know, we, we are wondering what Seb's um, future is in F1, if there is any, you know, whether or not he wants to um, be involved with the sport. Um, I think it would be, the sport would be much better if he would be involved,
1: mm-hmm. but yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's definitely one of my top moments but uh, I you know, arguably one of the best drivers ever.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, having to see those two, not just, like, amazing humans, but amazing talents in the sport leave, um, mm-hmm. definitely, like, bittersweet. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was more bittersweet for me for Seb because I was like, uh, you know, he's had an amazing career. Could he do more? Yes, but he has a family. It's time now. Mm-hmm. He's not a young spring chicken anymore he knows he's it's his time and i was listening to the interview he did with beyond the grid and he said like when you stop getting excited to come to races when you stop getting excited to be in the car um it's time and i i knew mm-hmm. it was time and i think that's just really smart of him to know like you know what it's time it, it's time for me to go and i think a lot of drivers just hold on too long um and are afraid to let it go but I, I commend him for you know recognizing it it's his time and deciding to go but also just sad for the sport and just all the good he's just recently done the past couple of years as well with a lot of his philanthropy and just bringing mm-hmm. attention to a lot of different causes Um, I think we just saw Seb kind of come into this new softer era of just mm-hmm. him as a personality and that was really cool to see. And, of course, Danny just losing someone like that who brings not just, like, a smile to everyone's faces but such positivity um, mm-hmm. into the sport. The The guy has been through so much this year, and he still stayed with a smile on his mm-hmm. face and was super positive the whole time. So it was really, you know, really sad to see just him go because um, I also think he has more to give. Um, he just mm-hmm. hasn't been with the team a, a good pairing to give him that. So um, obviously he won't be hundred percent gone. He'll be around um, with Red mm-hmm. Bull, but yeah, good good second moment, but sad. I it makes me mm-hmm. sad. My second moment was in Austria. This is think back, people, reel your brain back because as Matt and I were going through like the moments this year, there were moments where we came upon him, like, oh my god, that's right, that happened this year. Like we completely forgot. Um, <laughs> but Austria. There was a five-car battle between Kevin Magnussen, Lando Norris, Fernando Alonso, Mick Schumacher, and Guan Yu Zhou. That was one of the most exciting, like on-track moments for me mm-hmm. this year. And you're like, really, like a battle between Mick Zhou, Mag, and Norris and Alonso. That was like the exciting for you. And it, it for me, it was just a real seeing actually the new car in action i Mm -hmm. i can't tell you the last time besides like at the start of a race do we ever see a five cars in a battle for one place um i can't recall in like the middle of a race it's just Mm -hmm. it was so cool to watch and so fun to watch and it was honestly one of probably my favorite on track moments this season
0: yeah, like you said, it that's that is exactly what F1 wanted when they redesigned this car. Was that they wanted, you know, they wanted those close battles. Like you said, it's it's one thing when there's five cars fighting for a spot at turn one when the race starts, right? I mean, yes, that's great and exciting. We love it, but that's only one turn, right? But with these new with these new cars, the, the goal was so that, you know, you can be right behind a car and not have the disrupted air and be able to to fight. And, you know, I, I think that's going to make for more, uh, you know, excitement in the races. Cause you know, I, I think a few years ago, it was kind of, <clears throat> especially in the Mercedes dominance era, it was like, okay, you know, they go the first lap and Mercedes is already up three seconds and that's really tough to sell to, to fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we've talked about before, you know, everyone's gaining a ton of new fans. I think this is all kind of timing really well to where, there should be more examples like that five car battles, um, and you know that'll that'll hopefully kind of amplify the excitement about the sport as it's gaining fans and you know as the racing is more intense, we should see um, you know a lot more people find it interesting and and gain more fans due to that.
1: Yeah. It was so exciting to watch and so much fun. It was so much fun. So hopefully maybe next year we'll see one or two more of those. Um, But yeah, just a blast to watch. And I could Mm -hmm. watch that all day, honestly. All right. So my number one, my
0: my top moment of the season um, was actually, you know, kind of in, in, you know, what Americans call like garbage time in sports where, you know, nothing matters. It, um, it was Brazil, um, the second to last race when Max didn't give the position back to Checo when Checo was battling for second place um, in the standings, and this this just blew my mind. And I think it's gonna make everybody's opinion of Max change. Mm. I think as as a competitor, it's crazy to me to think that like he he could have just sat at home in the Netherlands during that race. He already locked up the championship. Like there was no reason for him to be there mm-hmm. you know but not only did he not care like yeah i'm gonna race he passed this teammate on team orders and then didn't give the position back In again what we call garbage time when it doesn't matter that, that to me is just like like this guy cares so much that he just wants to add he, like he wants to humiliate he doesn't want to beat people yeah. He wants to humiliate them.
1: Annihle and like them.
0: that's that's scary from the, the standpoint of like, you know, if you're a competitor, it's like holy crap, this guy has no quit. But I think from a team standpoint, it could be really dangerous for him to where he could ostracize the team and and make people not want to drive that second seat. I mean, I think there's already yeah, it's a great car, but we we joke if that, that second Red Bull seat's cursed. And, like, yeah. on top of it, now you now you have a teammate that's going to steal positions from you when it doesn't matter. Like, this guy has – he just doesn't care.
1: He has right? no like chill. That's,
0: that's a Yeah, that's a, that's a scary person to be a teammate with. And, yeah. and I think that this has ramifications for the rest of his F1 career. That's why I, I have it as my number one moment because I think people aren't going to forget this. And, yeah. and it makes you wonder who's going to be willing to be his teammate. And, you know, what Red Bull's going to be willing to do if he just defies team orders and does whatever he wants and thinks it's his team.
1: Yeah, this is a great number one moment. That definitely was a big shock moment, I think, this season, if not the, like, number one shocking moment of the season. But the way Max Verstappen handled that really echoed and reminded me of some of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, Michael Jordan he would literally make up things like lies and scenarios about other teams he was playing in order to get himself so like worked up to beat them like the best Mm -hmm. athletes in the world do crazy stuff like that like Mm -hmm. because winning is the only thing that matters period like there is no there is no giving up there is no like chill or helping it's me what can I do to succeed and get the best outcome for me at all times and that Mm -hmm. is very much Max Verstappen that's how he was raised that's how he was trained and it just reminded me so much of like some of the mentality we see in some of in some Mm -hmm. of the best athletes we've seen in the entire world Um, doesn't make it right (laughs) but um, it's very common when we're talking about um people at the top of their game. restaurant.
0: Yeah, exactly. restaurant yeah. athletes.
1: Yeah. So, my top moment of the season is kind of like a turning point I think for our boy Shaw Leclerc. Um I think we can all agree at the beginning of the season he had a great trajectory, trajectory to possibly win the championship this year. He had a fast car, he had the skills. Um and I think for me my number one moment would be the French Grand Prix. When Charles Leclerc lost control of his car into turn 11 and just binned it. And it was the cry heard from around the world.
0: No. Um, Yeah.
1: One of our episodes is literally called the cry heard around the world or something like that. Um, It's crazy. And I think for me, the reason that's the number one is because that was the moment that marked Ferrari's downfall for the rest of the season. Um, From that, yeah, from that moment on it was over Red Bull and that won,
0: max one that, right. that was i mean to me i thought it was over before but like you like you said i think that was the final nail in the coffin where everybody was like it's over that that was you yeah. know charles had the lead he's out It, you know this mm-hmm. championship's over
1: yeah i think things could have turned out a lot differently if he would have won that race which he he was completely poised to do um and i think it just really did mark uh the downhill spiral that ferrari saw um yeah. because at that french grand prix the points for uh, red bull was really creeping up behind ferrari at that point both in the championship and constructor standings um and it was that was a very crucial race for them they needed to win it um and they they didn't and granted that was not ferrari's fault at all um Charles hmm. lost control they, they, of the car they,
0: yeah, but they left him out on those tires a bit too long, but yeah. I, yeah, at the end of the day, you're right. It, it was driver error, but Yes. Yeah.
1: Um where we saw like later in the season, a lot of the things that happened to Ferrari weren't driver <laughs> error. Um yeah. but yeah, yeah, for me that's my number one moment of the season. Also just like hearing the anger yeah. <laughs> And sadness. It rivals that of like the Star Wars more moment when Luke finds out yeah, yeah. that Vader. Right. Oh, if you don't There's know a, this, close your yeah, ears. Spoiler spoiler alert. Alert. <laughs> when Luke yeah. finds out that Vader's his father, no, yeah. Like exactly. It literally matched that.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, as soon as I heard it, I knew that people were gonna make memes out of it. The oh, second oh. I heard that scream, I was like, oh, this is this is about to be a meme.
1: Oh, I made I made one. I'm gonna insert it yeah. right here. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, those are our top three moments. So obviously, Matt and I chose each moment for a different reason, whether it be personal or not. Um, but we mm-hmm. do have one moment that we both agreed needed to be honorable mention. I'll let you. Actually, I actually have
0: two, but but you can go ahead with the, fir- with the first
1: okay. one. Our first one was Guan Yu Zhou's horrific crash at Silverstone involving George Russell and uh, Pierre Gasly. Oh, my God. I, I rewatched that before we got on to record. I, I forgot how absolutely terrifying yes. that was. And that just, again, like, I feel like there's those moments are so scary. Like, the way he was trapped in that car, in those barriers. Thank God everything was okay. And that car did not mm-hmm. light on fire because it it would You're have been stuck. horrible. Yeah. You're but, stuck. like, also kudos to him for experiencing that and getting... Continuing season car. the way yeah. he did, um, yeah. I would be those horrific wreck.
0: crashes are always, you know, I, I we don't want to call them top moments, but like most memorable moments for mm-hmm. sure because seeing that car tumble down the um the tarmac uh,
1: <laughs> down not the one, track,
0: well the track and then the the sand you know and then and then flipping over the the tire barrier towards the fans like first off I can't imagine. If you're a fan back there, that's got to be terrifying. Seeing a yeah. you know 1500 1, hundred pound car come flying at you.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think being it's also by that netting, right? And I think it's also a reminder as fans that yes, this is entertainment for us. We enjoy it. We love it. But these guys are also putting their lives on the line every oh, yeah. time it's they get in those cars sport. for granted they love doing this obviously they wouldn't be doing it if they did it but also for our entertainment and we have to remember sometimes this is really dangerous the sport and these guys yeah. put their lives on the line every single time they get in one of these cars um yeah the so. cars are safer
0: now than they were before but you know when you see the the Yu Yu show crash or, or roman groshawn a few years ago it's you realize that any of these guys could die you mm-hmm. know every single time they get in the car there's a you know, not zero chance that they are risking their lives.
1: Yeah, um, and it was like thirty seconds into the Grand Prix that that happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it it's it's crazy. Yes, yeah. and not an exciting moment, but it is a memorable one for sure. And another yeah. example of how the halo is yeah, a godsend. Lives. Literally, yeah. that's yep. why it's called the halo. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. I know, my my other honorable mention, again being a biased American sports fan, was the the news that Sergeant, you know got the uh the super license points necessary to to be an f1 driver i was really excited by that and i'm very excited to see an american drive in f1 next year so
1: yeah definitely i think we have more than enough expressed our excitement and love for logan Sargent. we have we haven't Mm -hmm. even seen the boy do a full race and we're already like on the bandwagon well, i watched him
0: f2 but oh yeah oh i'm I'm on the sergeant band <laughs> yeah B2.
1: i mean like in an f1 car we have never seen right. him do a full race um but yeah i mean that is really exciting it's american fans it's just another testament to the fact that like in the sport of f1 we can indeed produce high quality talent mm-hmm. to feed into formula one um and yeah just a win for america yay us <laughs> <laughs> go america I just hear that. that Amer- I'm not going to repeat it on here, but like the America oh, song from Team America. From oh, Team yeah, America. Team America.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Can that yeah. be, you know, how yeah. baseball players have walk up songs? Can the Team yeah. America, America song be Logan Sargent's Movement's like on track song? song.
0: Oh. oh, my gosh. F1's too proper for that. They wouldn't allow it.
1: <laughs> they need to play that in his headset as he's doing his warm up lap. Yeah. (laughs) So he reminds him the weight of the entire American country rests on his shoulders.
0: (laughs) That's a lot of pressure, though. (laughs) I
1: mean, it does. The future of American race car drivers rests in his hands. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) If he doesn't perform, it reflects badly on all of America.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, there's there's another American in F2 next year, uh, Brad Benavides. So, you know, if Logan doesn't produce, we got another one ready.
1: (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how that goes, but... Thank you everyone again for joining us. I hope you loved and liked to hear our top three moments of the season. If you would like to share your top three moments with us, Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, at Mr. and Mrs. F1 Pod. Drop us a DM, drop us a comment, and let us know your top three moments of the entire season. We for sure enjoyed, I I know Matt enjoyed too, like going back and refreshing our memory at some of the earlier races this year. The season's so long, you kind of forget things happen. So it was nice to kind of look back and really pick through like what were our top three moments. And this season was great. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I wish there would have been a little bit more competition at the end for the championship, but in in the end, it was a good season. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us, and we are on YouTube now, so you can also listen and watch us at the same exact time. And also, if you're feeling extra just like a great person today, make sure to leave us a five-star review and let us let us know what you love about the show. Because we want to keep bringing you content that you're enjoying, you're loving. And as always, if there's something you want to hear from us, just contact us on our social media. And Matt, it's been a pleasure. We'll be living together again, once again, next week. Yep. <laughs> so it'll be a good time. But next week, you guys, we're going to release an episode with an amazing interview we had with one of the founders of race weekend magazine I'm so excited for you guys to hear that so make sure to tune in next week it's going to be a great episode we're so excited to bring you more of these types of episodes as the season goes on with some of your favorite people from F1 some of your favorite people from the F1 influencer sphere Um, so as always you guys thanks for listening and we will see you next week bye bye